Right. Please stand if you are able for a reading from God's holy word. Today's scripture reading is from John 14, 1 through 6. Please read with me the verses in bold. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. All right. I've preached through John chapter 14 several times. And that's not a brag. That's not a uh, boast. Just over the years, uh, John 14 is a, is a wonderful place that I've landed. But I, I didn't choose this passage this morning. Uh, there were seven to choose from, but I don't remember picking this one to preach. It has often happened this way with the sermon series that we have decided on. Brad picks the easy passages, <laughs> and I pick all the difficult ones. It just happened this time around that when planning our sermon series, considering dates for guest preachers and out-of-town schedules, John 14 landed on this date, on August 8th, on a day that I would be preaching. Well, you see, the last time I preached this particular sermon on John, on John chapter 14, and the one I remember most clearly was at the funeral of a 26-year-old. At the funeral of a 26-year-old PhD student, a young adult at my church, who yearly would travel to Woods Hole, Massachusetts to be a teaching assistant at a marine biology lab for three weeks every summer. And in a freak accident, drowned in Cape Cod near a sandbar along an isolated strip of, of beach on that uh, east coast. Well, at that time, I was on sabbatical in Cambodia. I left Southeast Asia and my family that following weekend and flew out to California for a few days to attend to this funeral to preach on John chapter 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. Well, this morning we find ourselves in John chapter 14, probably one of the most dark times in the life of the disciples. These were dark hours, the night before our Jesus, our Lord, was to be betrayed, abused, and tortured, and ultimately crucified on a cross. And in short time, the world of the disciples would collapse into unbelievable chaos. Jesus, for whom they had forsaken all, was, was leaving. Their beloved master, whom they loved more than life, the one they had been willing to die for, 
was going away. They were ecstatic the week before when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey to the cheers of the crowd, but now he was talking about his death, not about his messianic kingdom. And so when Jesus had told them that he would die, this must have staggered their minds, and by John 14, they were undoubtedly bewildered, perplexed, confused, and filled with anxiety. And in the midst of the dark hours of the life of his disciples, John 14 has to be one of the most comforting passages in all of Scripture. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And to this, Jesus answered, I am the way, I am the truth. And I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We have been preaching through the seven I am statements, the seven astonishing claims of, of Jesus and the Gospel of John. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. I am the true vine. I am the resurrection and the life. And they are astonishing as they are efforts on the part of Jesus to make clear that he is one and the same as God. Quite a stunning claim that a person who lived among us was God in living color. John 14, Jesus claims, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And even as we read the first verse, Jesus' claim, his, uh, Jesus claim is equality with God. He claims his divinity. And Jesus says, in the midst of this, he says, let not your hearts be troubled. And then he goes on to say something utterly profound. He says, believe in God, believe in me. His words of encouragement are not just fluffy words, not just niceties to make them feel better in the midst of crummy circumstances. You and I both know that those kinds of words don't help. Everything will be okay. Or there's a reason for everything. Or I know how you feel. Or they're in a better place now. Every cloud has a silver lining. Or even this will pass. Or don't be sad. Instead, Jesus says to troubled hearts, believe in God, believe also in me. Doesn't it seem like a strange thing to say to grief? How about, I'm sorry, it hasn't turned out like we expected. Or I can't imagine what you're feeling. 
when you put all your eggs in this basket, or it was a good ride. Believe in God? Believe also in me? Doesn't seem like comforting words. Jesus is claiming to be on exactly the same level as God when it comes to trusting him. Here, Jesus moves himself onto a plane of equality with God the Father, speaking not only as a man, but also as God. He begins to reveal himself to them, the things concerning himself. What mere man would claim you need to trust in God, and of the same degree, you also need to trust in me? Spoken or unspoken, I think there is a question every troubled heart asks. Will the center hold or is everything collapsing around us? That's my question. And perhaps it may be your question too. I think it's one many are asking. And to this Jesus answers, do not let your hearts be troubled. And this imperative stands center to the trouble that face us. You see, in one way or another, these words of comfort, these are words of comfort that all of us need to hear to questions like, what's going to happen? Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. How will we get through this? Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. When will it be over? Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. What will life, the world, the church be like? Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Is everything going to be okay? Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. The words are comforting because here Jesus who claims to be equal with God, the one who claims to be God, says don't be troubled over the circumstances of this life because the God, the one you believe, is in control. Let me share with you this morning why this passage is one of the most comforting in all of the scriptures. Because, again, he says, believe in me. Believe in God and believe also in me. He promises them peace. He promises himself let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Even in the midst of sadness and grief and mourning, peace is promised. Because we have faith, because we believe, we believe that even in the midst of the storm, even in the valley of the shadow of death, there can be peace that surpasses all understanding. The 23rd Psalm says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And here is this promise of God's presence with us. Here is the presence of, of Jesus among us. Believe in him, trust in him. God will grant you his, his perfect peace. And here is the, the comfort of his words that no matter what we go through, that he is there. 
And this was the comfort for his disciples, the ones that, that would be left behind, the one who, who felt that they would have to fend for themselves, the ones who thought when Jesus leaves, uh, the whole thing is done. And in the midst of all this, Jesus comforts his disciples. On the night before, he washes the feet of his disciples. He, he breaks bread with them. And by the time we reach John chapter 14, he comforts them. He says, don't let your heart be troubled. He offers us his presence. He offers us himself. He offers us even in the valley of the shadow of death that he is with us. There are no more comforting words that God himself, the God of the universe, the God who made everything is with us in our troubles and he, he stands by us in our difficulties. We live with conflict. We live with disappointment and pain. We all experience or will experience deep tragedy and times of severe trial. But the comfort is this, not that we won't have to go through them, but that when we go through them, that he will be with us. Even though Jesus was leaving his disciples physically, his presence would be with them spiritually. He would be leaving, but they had and would always have access to God. And so he says, believe in God, believe also in me. Whatever our trouble and whatever mess we're in, whatever anxiety or perplexities, we have just remembered that the Lord himself is there. And that's why I love the name Emmanuel. Again, translated God with us. That's why at the beginning of the Gospel of John, Jesus says uh, in the beginning, or, or John says in the beginning, the Word was with God and the Word was God. That Jesus would come and tabernacle and make His presence among us that he himself would be there. The second thought of comfort is that God prepares a place for us. Did you notice that in John 14 it says, I go to prepare a place for you, a place of many rooms. What a place that must be. The verse tells us that it is the Father's house and that there are many rooms, a room for me and a room for you. If you want some privacy, you have your own. If you need the comfort of somebody else, we can share rooms. But there are rooms and rooms of plenty in that house, in that mansion above, a room for us, a comforting thought that God has gone ahead to prepare a place for us. And today Jesus is telling us, let not your hearts be troubled. And the reason why he says, he says, let not your hearts be troubled because there is a place that I am preparing for you. In fact, his leaving would only bring the fulfillment of that expectation to fruition. I go to prepare a place for you. Can you imagine how it must have comforted them to realize for the first time he was leaving, that he wasn't going to just leave them there, but he was going to get them ready or get a place ready for them. And he tells them, if I go, 
I will come again. This word is clearly designed to help them in their fear, their primary, uh, their, their fear of death. What would become of Jesus if he died? Would they ever see him again? What would become of them if this turmoil in Jerusalem should eventuate in their own death? The thought of death, uh, again, had a sobering effect on them as they were thinking through these things. And Jesus says in this, if I go, I will come again. A marvelous promise of an event that is yet to come into human history. He is coming again. And this should provide us great comfort. Not only does he promise himself, and he promises his peace to us, he also promises to prepare a place for us. That in that time when it comes, we would have a, a place to go, a place to go and be with him. And he says, if I go, I will come again to get you. A marvelous promise of an event that is yet to come. Again, a hope of great comfort. And then we come to this last part of John chapter 14, or our section in John chapter 14 this morning. A burning question, I think, that uh, again is, is asked. Again, it has, a, has some edge to it. And the question is, is Jesus the only way? It's a question that I think uh, many have asked. What do we do with the exclusive claim of Christ that he is the only way? Why make such an exclusive claim? I had a chance to sit outside with uh, a homeless man this past week. Um, interesting conversation, always is. Um, and the interesting question led to all walks of life. Every religion, every faith leading to the same place. As Christians, should we be so arrogant and make exclusive claims about the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ? That to get to God, to have access to God can only come through His Son, Jesus? Why make an exclusive statement? We know that many people react negatively when we say that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Sometimes they hurl bitter insults at us using words like narrow-minded or arrogant or bigoted or intolerant. No one likes to be called names like that. And we can't say it doesn't bother us. But in the sixth of, sixth of Jesus' seven I am statements in John, it's another claim to deity. Jesus is saying that we can have access to God only through Jesus. And just as in the Old Testament, the only way for the Jews to come to God was through the high priest, who would act as the, the mediator as they entered the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement, and Jesus being our high priest through whose sacrifice of himself we can come to God's very presence without fear of being consumed. He himself is the way. Jesus Christ claimed that he was the truth. Again, he did not say, I can teach you the truth. Although he did that, he says, I am the truth. And in this context, 
he means that not only is he totally dependable, that he, but that he also is himself the only true way, way of salvation. He alone is the manifestation of the eternal God of truth. He doesn't say, I can tell you how to have life, but rather he says, I am the life. And so for us to say all religions are equal, when you hear people say all religions are equal, you can be sure of two things. One, they don't know what they're talking about. And two, they really haven't studied anyone's religion very closely. Let me say this. Saying all religions are equal insults thoughtful followers of every religion. Talk to your Muslim friends for a while and you'll discover that their beliefs and our beliefs are radically different. Talk to a Buddhist and you'll discover that their beliefs are different from ours and from the Muslims. The same is true for Judaism, Hinduism, and so on and so forth. And it's easy to say that all roads lead to heaven when you haven't studied the map carefully. And what we need is an accurate roadmap that tells us which road leads to heaven. Find that road and you will end up in the right place. Why an exclusive claim? Why an exclusive claim? As I read through John 14, the first six verses, it's the provision and the grace of Jesus to show us the way. It's the grace of Jesus to say, if you don't know how to get there, let me show you how. It's God's grace and provision for us to find the way. Because how many times have we asked for directions, whether it, was, it wasn't very clear, it was the wrong way altogether. The one who knows how to get there, the one who knows what it is and, and what direction and what access we have. It's God's way of providing for us and caring for us and saying, here is my peace, my presence with you, and here is uh, here is a place that I'm preparing for you, and here is the way that I'm showing so that you know how to get there. And again, this is a response to the disciples' question, we don't know how to get there. And Jesus says, you do know, because you've seen me. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. This passage is of great comfort in that God prepares a way for us to get there. Everyone wants to get to heaven. Some just don't know the way, but Jesus tells us in John 14 that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that we get there through him. We're all travelers on this road of life. There are many detours and many side streets, and we don't need to be confused. We don't need to be lost. Jesus says, all you need to do is follow me, and he will show us the way. And that's comforting.
And this is what this passage is all about. It's telling us where to find that cover, where to find that shelter that it is in our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the cover for all our sins. He is the shelter in the midst of the storm. In him we are safe, even in the face of fierce winds of death that would sweep us all away. He is our cover. In this text, Jesus is speaking to his disciples on Thursday. On the night, he would be betrayed and arrested and handed over to the authorities. The following day, Good Friday, he would be sentenced to death, death on a cross. And Jesus knows what is coming. And so he prepares his disciples, his being taken from them, and not merely in that he will die. Indeed, if that was it, there would be no comfort for them. All the happy talk in the world, don't worry, be happy. Death is just a part of life, or at least you have all the memories. All that would be wishful thinking if that's all Jesus had to offer, but it isn't. There's more, much more real comfort for those who follow Jesus in faith. My friends, if I can, I'd like to say that uh, no religion can save you. Not Hinduism, not Islam, not Buddhism, not Catholicism, and if I can, not even Christianity. It's a person. Jesus, I am. Not the Christian faith. I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life. Acts chapter 4, verse 12, Peter says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which, uh, which we must be saved. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 says, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is in Jesus Christ. Again, in God's great provision for you and for me. He gives us his peace and his presence. He prepares a place for us. And he provides directions on how to get there. It's God's provision and grace towards us.